Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled BRCA Testing in Patients with Early Stage Breast Cancer, a focus on the patient conversation. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from AstraZeneca. A 56-year-old postmenopausal black woman, Tara, presents at the office after undergoing adjuvant chemotherapy with those dense epirubicin cyclophosphate, EC, plus patitaxel for node-positive, triple-negative early breast cancer. She's coming to the office to discuss the next steps in her treatment plan. My name is Javier Cortez. I am a breast cancer medical oncologist working at the International Breast Cancer Center in both cities, Madrid and Barcelona, in Spain. When we have a patient in the clinic with early breast cancer, we have to think about the treatment options we have. And I think that in the last decade, we have moved quickly from the classical atracycline with oxotaxin-based therapy. We also use in the past high-dose chemotherapy, not now, but we are starting to include in our team clinical practice, not only chemotherapy, but also targeted agents. We have already anti-HER2 therapies, trastuzumab, pertuzumab, or tdn one for some patients. We also have CDK4 and CC inhibitors, abemacyclics approved for high-risk homeostor-positive HER2 negative disease. And in the future, I'm sure that we'll have more drugs, such as vaccines. Last year, we have had proven and new drugs, which is Olaparib, a part inhibitor. We need different biomarkers that will help us to discuss which are the best options for our patients. So it's very clear that we cannot treat patients without knowing the status of the estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and HER2, but also, in some centers, also the KI67. But we have another new biomarker, which is called germline BRCA1 and or BRCA2 status. Why? Because now we have not only important discussions about these results, but also important consequences in terms of treatment options. It is true that today for immunotherapy, we do not need the PDL1 status because we know that pembrolizumab benefits both PDL1 positive and PDL1 negative, triple negative breast cancer patients. Also, in some reports, we have the tumor infertility lymphocytes, we might predict better responses, and also it has important implications in terms of prognosis. In the next session, let's discuss clinical rationale underlying the growing need to test for BRCA mutations in patients with early breast cancer. It's another important aspect of these experts on genetic counseling should be incorporated in the decisions. We have moved the importance of considering BRCA1 and or BRCA2 to the early breast cancer setting as well. But what does BRCA testing mean for patients? So we have to talk to them in two different ways, in my opinion. One way is to discuss with the family, with the personal history of different cancers, about the importance of BRCA testing in terms of counseling, of the opportunity of the risk to having more cancers, the family risk, and so on. But I think that more and more, we have to talk to the patient about the importance of this new biomarker in terms of treatment options. That's why, in my opinion, we have to work in a multidisciplinary team, including both the treating physician and the genetic counselor. We have to work in a face-to-face way with a genetic counselor in like a cascade testing procedure. Because if we have a positive test result, 
we have two make two comments about them with our patients. The first one is the genetic counseling about the family issues, about the risk to have another cancer. And in my opinion, the genetic counselor is the best person to do so. But we have another consequence, which is not the different treatment options we might have. Because depending on these results, our patients might have different options, different treatment strategies. We can discuss the role of the new party inhibitors, or we can discuss if this is not a good option for them. In the next session, let's discuss how I integrate testing into my clinical practice. So different guidelines, such as, for example, ASCO guidelines now recommend adjuvant treatment with PAP inhibitors in patients with germline BRCA1 and or BRCA2 mutations. So the comment or the question is, should we test BRCA2 all patients? We know that depending on the age, depending on the tumor type, for example, triple negative breast cancer, depending on the history of the tumors, if we have bilateral cancer, the possibility to have a positive BRCA1 and or BRCA2 mutation is higher or lower. So before in terms of the genetic counseling, we should discuss who are going to benefit more or less. But now we have a specific treatment for our patients. So I think in my opinion, we have to integrate everything. We have to integrate the tumor type. We have to integrate the family and personal history. We have to integrate the age. And we have to integrate also the risk of recurrence. If the risk of recurrence is high and these patients might benefit from party inhibitors, in my opinion, these patients will be tested also for BRCA, even if the possibility is small, because the consequences are very high. So the guidelines for PARP inhibitors in the metastatic setting are very clear. They are approved in a triple negative breast cancer or in homocystor positive tumors that were resistant to previous treatments. But also now we have to consider the guideline of Volaparib in the early breast cancer setting. So now in the next session, let's discuss the data we have with PAP inhibitors in the early breast cancer setting. So when we are in the clinic, we have to treat our patients with early breast cancer. We need more and better drugs. We know the data we have with the PAP inhibitors in the new adjuvant setting with germline BRCA1 and our BRCA2 mutations. Great data, beautiful data with Olaparib and also with Etalazoparib, showing an impressive pathological complete response. Now we have proven by the agencies to treat our patients with germline BRCA1, BRCA2 mutations, and early breast cancer, the adjuvant setting. These patients with homocystor positive high risk for or more nodes involved, or patients with residual disease after new adjuvant chemotherapy and a CPS plus ED score higher than three or more, or patients with triple negative breast cancer, node positive and or tumor higher than two centimeters, or residual disease after new adjuvant chemotherapy, Olaparib improved disease-free survival, improved hazard ratio 0.58 compared with placebo, and an absolute improvement at three years of 8.8%. When we consider toxicity profile, basically nausea, vomiting, fatigue, and anemia, we have to consider that these adverse events, together with the great activity, in my opinion, considers Olaparib the new standard of care for this group of patients. So if I have to summarize this activity, I would say first, we need to understand that germline BRCA1 and or BRCA2 mutations are a new biomarker to help our patients with the best strategy. Second, I think that we have to integrate this into the clinical practice for those patients with the highest risk of recurrence, if, of course, HER2 negative early breast cancer, in addition to HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer. 
Third, olaparib is, to the best of my knowledge, the only drug that has been approved for patients in the early breast cancer setting, but we have also tazoparib, in addition to olaparib, approved in the metastatic breast cancer setting. And last but not least, we should not forget that integrating all biomarkers will help us to move forward in the definition of precision medicine. The more we know about our patients, about the biology of the tumors our patients have, the better we will treat them. In the next session, we will hear something incredible. The story from Tamari Bambas about her journey as a patient with early breast cancer. Thank you, Tamara, for sharing your story. My name is Tamara Bumpus, and I am 57 years old. My gynecologist called me on a beautiful Sunday afternoon to tell me I had breast cancer. The cancer finding was incidental during a routine screening ordered by a breast surgeon before a cosmetic procedure. My initial reaction was shock and panic, followed by a feeling of numbness. I didn't realize I had a family history of breast cancer until my gynecologist recommended I ask my family. It turns out that while I have a very strong history of breast cancer on my father's side, no one ever talks about it. So it's very important that doctors ask patients to find out about their family history because many patients are unaware of this. I was then referred to a breast surgeon for a biopsy, and I got the results saying that it was early breast cancer. The clinicians tested for mutations in the BRCA genes and started me on tamoxifen just in case but they didn't talk to me about this testing or how it could affect my treatment. And I think patients really want to understand this. They want to know what the testing process involves and what it means for them. In fact, a study of genetic testing among patients with newly diagnosed breast cancer showed that high-risk patients showed a preference towards discussing testing and being tested, but even most average-risk patients want to be tested. And every doctor has a role to play. My surgeon actually recommended I wait and see because I had early breast cancer, but I advocated for myself and saw another doctor and got a double mastectomy as soon as possible. Surgeons can help to speed along testing and treatment for women with breast cancer. I know mine could have instead of delaying it. In my case, neither I nor anyone in my family has the BRCA gene, and I hope someone will one day find out the cause of my cancer. But for those patients with mutations in the BRCA genes, they have an option for targeted treatment. I would like to tell clinicians to advocate for more testing for their patients, to enable the patients to feel more in control, and to inspire confidence in their further treatment. But I know this is a difficult journey for patients, and that's why I also advocate for them, especially underserved people with cancer. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.